Isaiah. Yesiah. Isaiah chapter 6. Am I on? Hmm? Okay. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 to 8. And I'm preaching on swearing, dirty language, failed doll. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Most High God, we take seriously the charge, the command of the Apostle Paul to Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead by His appearing in His kingdom. Preach the word. We pray that you would speak, O Lord, for Christ's sake. Amen. I know three brothers who can swear a lot Especially one of the brothers uses very dirty and foul and filthy and perverse language. But those three brothers, those three brothers are nothing compared to a man I sat next to on an airplane flying from Joburg to Cape Town. That guy could swear. Wow, what a lot of filthy language. And I shared the gospel with him. And when he asked what job I do, and I told him I'm a pastor, usually people say, oh, I'm sorry, pastor. Not that guy. That guy just swore even more. And even after sharing the gospel, said, it's not like I'm going to, not going to heaven because I'm swearing a lot and using swear words as he's saying that. You see, for, uh, to the world, that's not a problem. The world doesn't really care about swearing. They don't have a problem at all. It's just natural and it's common for unbelievers to, to use filthy and dirty language. Uh, I saw a couple of articles this week on well-known websites like CNN, National Geographic, Time Magazine, where they say, actually, swearing is good for you. They've got articles on that, that swearing is really good for you. It shows you honest. It, it, you, it shows you're an intelligent person. You can use, you've got a larger vocabulary. It shows that you're creative. You've got different and creative ways of saying things. And it even increases your threshold for pain. Your pain, the, the tolerance you have for pain. So if you slam your thumb in the door, one article said, you slam your thumb in the car door and you use a, a dirty word, you swear... It helps you to actually bring down the pain as opposed to someone who doesn't swear. There's a book written by a woman called Emma Byrne, and the title of the book is Swearing is Good for You, The Amazing Science of Bad Language. Well, the Bible says the opposite. The Bible says swearing is evil. Swearing is a, a symptom of an evil heart, of a bad heart, just like when you stick out your tongue. And the doctor puts that tongue depressor, that little ice cream stick on your tongue and say, ah, and then he can see what's wrong. Well, that's exactly what swearing is. Swearing really shows what's wrong spiritually, that there's something wrong in your soul, in your spirit, in your heart. And 
by God's grace, the Bible, thankfully, God does show us in the Bible how to get a clean heart, a pure heart and a pure tongue. God can change you. So let's see this in Isaiah 6 verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Above Him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two He covered His face, with two He covered His feet, and with two He flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of Him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. So the solution to swearing in this passage, three solutions. Solution number one, or at least two solutions. Solution number one, behold the holiness of God. That's in verse one to four. So here's King Uzziah in verse one. Now Uzziah was a good king. A king of the southern part of Israel in Jerusalem, and he was king for 52 years. And he was a king that served the Lord, he obeyed God, and God made him successful, and things went really well in the kingdom. And when he became really successful, he became proud. And when he exalted himself and became proud, he went into the temple one day, And God said in the law of Moses, only the priests are allowed to burn incense. But King Uzziah thought, I will do it. And he tried to burn incense and the priests tried to stop him saying, no, your majesty. And he got angry. And when he he lost his temper, God struck him with leprosy. And he became a leper until the day of his death. So King Uzziah died after he showed disregard and disrespect for the holiness of God. And in the very year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah tells us in verse 1, I saw the Lord. I saw the true King. I saw the King of heaven. And I saw the holiness of this God, this King. Now this is a vision Verse 1, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Now the word Lord there, some of your Bibles will have a capital L with letter L and then small letter lowercase o-r-d, which means in Hebrew, that is the word Adonai, 
That is not a name, Adonai. Adonai is the most exalted title for God in the Old Testament. So he sees Adonai. And the Apostle John in the New Testament, in John 12 verse 41 says, Isaiah saw Christ's glory. That is Jesus that Isaiah is seeing. That is Christ before he became a man on earth. And he is exalted. It says in verse 1, he is high and lifted up. Actually, he is so high and lifted up. He is so exalted. It says in Psalm 113, verse 4 to 6, that God is high and lifted up. He's exalted and he looks far down upon. You want to say the earth, right? That's not what the verse says. God looks far down upon the heavens. The highest heaven cannot contain God, says Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 27. Now Jesus Christ, even in His humanity, even as a human, Jesus is exalted far above every name, far above every heavenly creature. We read that in Ephesians 1. The final verses. Now, if Jesus is exalted even as a human, exalted above all the heavenly creatures, what about Jesus as God? In Psalm 89, verse 6 to 8, in the Afrikaans it will be verse 7 to 9. Psalm 89, verse 6, listen to this. Who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? A God greatly to be feared in the counsel of the holy ones and awesome above all who are around him. O Lord of hosts, Lord God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you. Isaiah, when he sees this vision, verse 1 says, the Afrikaans said, he suam, net he suam, van sy kleed het die tempel gevuld. The English says, the train of his robe filled the temple. You know what the train of your robe is. If you're a king and you've got this kingly, this royal robe, the train of your robe is that long, the material just goes on and on and on. And the more royal you are and the greater your majesty, the longer the train of your robe. Remember when Princess Diana got married? The long train, I actually googled this yesterday or the day before to see a picture of this. How long the train of her robe is, the train of her wedding dress to show her majesty and how royal she is and her greatness. And this is what Isaiah sees. Just, just the train of his robe fills the whole building, fills the temple. Now this vision of Isaiah is supposed to help you and I not to swear. Just imagine this. Do you think that Isaiah the prophet would swear in the presence of his majesty, the king Uzziah? If, if Isaiah was in the presence of Uzziah the king, do you think he would use filthy language? Now, if you don't even do that in the presence of a human king, how would you do that in the presence of the king of heaven, of the Lord God himself? God created the ear. Do you think God can hear? Can God hear filthy language? Dirty language? Swear words? Do we not live in the presence of God? Psalm 119 verse 168, All my ways are before you. Or Malachi 3 verse 16, God heard when they spoke and wrote it in his book of remembrance. Or in Luke chapter 12, verse 3, even what you, what you speak in your room behind closed doors that will be shouted from the rooftops. 
So God hears our language. God hears when we swear. Now that this, these verses will only help you if you're a Christian, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've been born again. Why do I say that? Because unbelievers do not care. They do not care. They will swear in the presence of God. They will swear in the face of God. They don't care about offending God. They will even curse His name to His face and blaspheme the name of God. Like in Leviticus 24 that I referenced this morning where a man cursed the name. He cursed the name of God. Didn't they do that when Jesus, with Jesus when He was on trial? They blasphemed Him says Luke 22, verse 65. Even when God punishes His enemies in Revelation 16, they curse the name of God. Blaspheme in Afrikaans, as you weet nie, is laster. Die vloek sy no. We see this all the time, don't we? Don't you see this on Netflix? Don't you see this on TV, DSTV? Don't you see this on the internet, on YouTube? How common, how often for people to say, OMG. How common for people to say Jesus, and they don't mean I'm praying to Him. They mean they blaspheme Him. They're cursing the name of Jesus. You see, they do not understand the holiness of God. They do not understand. They do not understand. They do not know what swearing and what blasphemy sounds like to the ears of God. You see, the person, the person who sees the holiness of God will fall trembling on his face to the ground. He will fall on his face in fear and trembling. And these seraphim, they understood it. In verse 2, uh, uh, is it verse 2? Above him stood the seraphim. Now, seraphim, or a seraph in, in singular, a seraph is a, it's a heavenly being. The Hebrew word speaks of a, a fiery dragon or a fiery serpent. So it's this, this strange creature, this heavenly being, and we see they, they surround the throne of God. They're standing above the throne, ready for service and ready for worship. As we see in verse 3, how they call out and worship God. Verse 2 says they've got six wings, each, each one of them. With two wings, they cover their faces. Why? Because even these sinless heavenly creatures cannot behold the full display of the brightness, the brilliance, the holiness and the glory of God. The majesty of God. With two wings they cover their feet. Why? Where in the Bible do you see it? A very important thing when it comes to the holiness of God and feet. Remember Moses at the burning bush? Remove your sandals from your feet, Moses. The ground you are standing on, you are standing on holy ground. Even Joshua in Joshua 5. Remove your sandals, Joshua. You're standing on holy ground. And so these seraphim do the same to, re, to acknowledge God's holiness. And then with two wings they fly. Why? Well, to, to obey God when He gives a command immediately. Yes, Your Majesty. Yes, my Lord. And they obey. Now one of these, one, one of these seraphim, one of these creatures, He calls out in verse 3. And now He's encouraging, he's encouraging the others to praise God. And it's like, uh, I think the correct word, Niels will have to help me. I've been in Afrikaans, it's Beertsang. And, and Tiffany, and Tiffany in English, where the one calls holy and the others re respond, holy, 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 holy. Is the Lord of hosts, is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. The whole earth is full of His glory, like an echo. So they're praising God. And when they say that God is holy, when they 
when they worship God in this way, the word holy, that's not a word that we use just in everyday English language outside of a religious context. The word holy means God is morally pure. God is sinless. God is perfect. The word holy also means God is exalted. God is unique. God is in a class of His own. There is no one like the Lord. Who is like the Lord our God? The word holy means that He is separate. He's separate from creation. He's separated from sin. He's different. Everything is creature. Only He is creator. But that is not the main meaning. That is not the main definition of the word holy. Sinclair Ferguson, a Scottish theologian and preacher, says, if the, the main definition of holy is that God is separate, what was God separated from? What was He different from before He made the world? There was no creation. So he says the main definition of the word holy is God is totally devoted to His own glory. The Father to the Son and the Spirit. The Spirit to the Father and the Son. The Son to the Father and the Spirit. I don't know if, I, if I, I'm repeating myself, but you get, the, you get the idea. Now what they do, you see, when they cry out holy, they repeat this. It's called the trisagion. Try, three, and hagion, holy. They call out that God is holy. They call it out three times. Why? Because of the Trinity. A triune God. Three persons, one God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Interestingly, the New Testament quotes these, this passage. It quotes Isaiah 6. And as I told you, the Apostle John says, Isaiah saw Christ. So there you have the Son. Paul says... In Acts chapter 28, the Holy Spirit said to us through Isaiah. So, oh, this is the Holy Spirit speaking here. And then, obviously, we have God the Father here. So there you have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Holy, holy, holy. Even in verse 8, just go down to verse 8. I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for? Us. Plural. One person. Uh, one God, three persons. So you have the triune God. The Father is holy. Jesus prays that, right? Jesus says in John 17 verse 11, Holy Father. The Son is holy. Jesus is called in Mark 1 verse 24, the Holy One. And in Acts chapter 3 verse 14. And then obviously the Spirit is holy. He's called the Holy Spirit. Again and again in the Bible. Now these, these heavenly creatures, these, these flaming beings, these fiery beings, heavenly beings, they feel little. They feel small in the presence of this holy God. They fear Him. They stand in awe of God. And, and they acknowledge. That's another reason why they say three times, not only for the Trinity, but to underline something. It's like, this is the temple of the Lord. This is the temple of the Lord. This is the temple of the Lord. Jeremiah 7 verse 4. It's trying to emphasize. And here they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. For emphasis, uh, in the, to the superlative degree, he would definitely drop. Listen. This holy God calls you and he calls me to be holy.
God has called you to holiness, says 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 7. God has called you to pursue, to chase after, to hunt down, to persecute holiness. Nee, amper of jy gaan hierdie ding jaag tot jy omvang. You must be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Now, what does it mean when the Bible tells us to be holy? When God calls us to holiness, it means you're morally pure. You run away from sin. You purify yourself as Christ is pure, 1 John 3, verse 3. It means you are separate. You are separate from the world. Do not be conformed to this world. If you make yourself a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. So be separate from the world. And to be holy means you are totally devoted, totally committed to Jesus Christ. You are totally committed to God. You love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. It means that you serve the Lord with zeal, with passion, with a burning flame in your soul, with everything you and I have. That you live no longer for yourself, but for, but for Christ. You live to the glory of God. You live to please God and not yourself. And that also goes for your tongue. It also goes for how you use your tongue. That you present your body to God as a living sacrifice. That you present the members of your body, your body parts, your hands, your feet, your eyes, your ears, your tongue... Not as instruments for unrighteousness, but you give your tongue as an instrument for righteousness. Now, to help you, maybe some extra motivation, if you want to sort out this problem of bad language or dirty jokes or swearing, you need to know God. Who is God? Verse 3, some of your Bibles uh, if you have an Afrikaans old translation, I don't have a 2020 in Afrikaans. I know the ESV, uh, New King James and so on. Do you see in verse 3, how is the word Lord written? Capital L and then capital O, capital R, capital D. If you see that in your Bible, the translators want to show you we're not using the word Adonai. This is the word Yahweh. Yahweh is the name of God. Yahweh is uh, when God... Revealed himself to Moses in the, at the burning bush. I am who I am. So when we say the word Lord, we mean he is the king. He is the ruler. He is your sovereign. When we say the word I am who I am, it means God does not change. He's not I was. He's not I will be. He is I am. You can say in Revelation, he was and is and is to come all at the same time. He is the eternal one. He is the unchangeable one. He is the self-sustaining and self-sufficient one. He is independent. He does not need us. He is the Lord of hosts. Look at verse 3. The Lord of hosts. That means the Lord of the heavenly armies. He is the Lord of the armies of Israel. Like David said to Goliath when he killed him. <coughs> or before he killed him. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors. And the King of glory will come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. The Lord mighty in battle. He is the King of glory. This Lord, if He's the Lord of the armies, if He's the Lord of hosts, that means God is a warrior. 
God is a man of war, according to Exodus chapter 15 and verse 3. You see that with Jesus riding on a white horse and flaming eyes like a flaming fire and a sharp two-edged sword coming out of his mouth and his robe dipped in the blood of his enemies. Jesus does not need an army. The only reason an army follows Jesus, whether it be the angels or other heavenly beings, or us as the army of the Lord with our spiritual armor, the only reason the army is following Christ is to see the spectacular display of his, of his victory, how he defeats the enemy. So Jesus does not need an army. Jesus defeated Satan single-handedly on the cross. He didn't need anyone's help. He destroyed the enemy. He crushed his enemy. My own arm brought me salvation, Isaiah 63 verse 5. And that is bad news if you have a filthy mouth, if you have a dirty mouth, and that's your pattern of living, because he will come against you on judgment day. That man of war will come against you with the sword of his mouth. And you will give a reckoning for every word you speak. You will give a reckoning and by your words will, you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned, says Matthew 12, 36 and 37. And then he continues Isaiah in verse 3. The whole earth is full of his glory. All of creation puts the brightness, the brilliance, the beauty, the majesty of God on display. The heavens declare the glory of God. Thunderstorms, crashing waves at the sea, mighty mountains, the colorful fishes or the colorful fish in the coral reefs of the great or the great barrier reef. You see the glory of God on display. And this creation, it's only a reflection of the glory of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the brightness of God's glory. Hebrews 1 verse 3. He's the brightness of the glory of God. Jesus put the glory of God, the beauty of God on display when Jesus was on earth. Remember when he did his first miracle, changing the water into wine? And it says, and Jesus showed his disciples his glory. And when Jesus died on the cross, before he died, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your name. Jesus hanging on the cross showed the world the glory of God, the goodness of God, the love of God, the justice of God, the righteousness of God. And we as human beings, you and I, we were created in the image of God. We were created as a mirror to reflect God's glory back to Him, to show the glory of God, and then what happened? Sin broke the mirror. And now we've got a broken image. We do not glorify God. We do not honor God. We do not give Him glory like King Herod. Remember King Herod when he dropped down dead? It said God killed him. Why? Because he did not give glory to God. And so when we use dirty language, when you use swear words or dirty jokes, filthy jokes perverse language, well, that breaks down the glory of God. That is a, a twisted image, a perverted image of the glory of God. Romans 3 verse 14. 
Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. And then verse 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now what did Jesus come and do? Jesus came to save us. Why? Jesus came to save us so that you and I will glorify God in our bodies. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And that is more important than anything in the world. Nothing is as important as the glory of God. Thomas Watson, the Puritan preacher, said, God's glory is more worth than heaven. It's more worth than the salvation of all men's souls. Rather kingdoms be thrown down, rather men and angels be destroyed, annihilated, than God should lose one jewel of His crown, one beam of His glory. When we use filthy words, fieslike woorde, feiltal, swear words, that gives a twisted image. You are created in God's image. When you swear, you are saying, this is what God is like. Because you're created in His image. And it does not honor God. So why not rather do verse 3? Why not rather add your voice to creation? That God's glory can be seen. The whole earth is full of His glory. Praise be to God. Now when this, this seraph in verse 4, when this seraph, this heavenly being, cried out, what happened in the temple? The thresholds, the threshold is when you come through the door, right where your feet are as you pass through the door. And there were foundations at the thresholds of the temple uh, where, the, where you enter the door. That shook. So the earth is shaking and the temple is shaking at the voice of not the Lord. This is just a heavenly being crying out. And there's an earthquake. What, what happens when God speaks? The universe is created. And this very same God, He speaks to us tonight. And He speaks through His Word. And He says to you, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Do not blaspheme God's name. Do not use God's word when you get a fright and say, OMG. This very same God who speaks tells us in Exodus 21 verse 17, if you swear at your parents, you must die. If you curse your parents, you die. This very same God tells us in Matthew 5 verse 22, Verse 21, you've heard it was said, you shall not murder. But I say to you, even if you only call your brother, you fool, or you swear at him, you are liable for God's judgment in hellfire. I, I didn't quote the, word, the verse exactly, but it boils down to that. You can check it for yourself. This God tells us, if you cannot control your tongue, your religion is worthless. Your Christianity means nothing. And he says to us what Sean read, in, you read that in Ephesians 5. Sexual immorality, impurity, all covetousness, or all impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, krital, fail grappe, which are out of place, 
but instead let there be thanksgiving. Number two, receive God's cleansing. That's in verse 5 to 8. Now when you have a sheep, let's go to Ireland. Ireland is green, green hills, green grass. And you see sheep in these green hills and they eating green pastures. What does that sheep look like? Probably white. Let's say it snows. What does that white sheep look like? Brown. Isaiah. This is the prophet of the Lord. He looks pretty holy to me. Looks like a good man. Until you see him against the holiness of God. The backdrop of God's holiness. And Isaiah is a filthy man. Isaiah is a sinful man. You know Isaiah... In chapter 5, I actually circled this in my Bible. 5 verse 8, verse 11, verse 18, verse 20, verse 21, verse 22. Woe, 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 woe. What does woe mean? Via in Afrikaans. That is actually a Hebrew word which means you are calling a curse down upon someone. He says, God will curse you, Israel, for this wickedness you have done. So he calls down God's curse upon them. God's judgment upon them. What does Isaiah do in Isaiah 6 verse 5? Woe is me. He calls down a curse upon himself. He calls down God's judgment. He says to himself, I deserve God's judgment. Why? What's the sin Isaiah has committed in verse 5? unclean lips. Isaiah is saying, I speak dirty words. Maybe he had a problem with swearing, I don't know. Maybe Isaiah would swear when he got angry, I don't know. Many people swear when they get angry. They swear at their husbands, they swear at their wives, they swear at their children, they swear at their parents, they swear at brothers and sisters, swear at one another, they swear at their teachers, they swear at their pupils, they swear at the headmaster, swear at the boss, swear at clients. Swear at the taxi, swear on the road. Some people swear when they get a fright. Some people swear when they receive shocking news. They even curse God's name. They blaspheme God's name. And that just shows what kind of people they are, right? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And Isaiah realizes that. And Isaiah says, I am lost, I am lost, I am ruined. The Hebrew word there, I am destroyed. I am disintegrating. I am unraveling at the seams, at the core of my being. Now maybe you don't swear by using words. Maybe you swear by using sign language. By using your hands, hand signals. Maybe you swear in your thoughts. You didn't say that, but you just thought that bad word against someone when you got angry. And the Lord hears that. Thomas Watson, that Puritan, said that, that thoughts speak in God's ears as loud as words speak in our ears. And that's true. God knows our thoughts from afar before, before a word is on my tongue. The Lord knows it all together. So, so I want to spur you on. I want to encourage you. Memorize. If you're a Christian and you're struggling with bad language, memorize 
Psalm 19, verse 14 in the English, 15 in the Afrikaans. And then you memorize that and you pray that verse. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Now Isaiah, I mean this guy, just look at verse 5. Woe is me, I'm lost, I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Isaiah lives in a society where everybody curses, where everybody swears. And that influenced him because he says, I'm like that too. And that goes for you and me. You walk with foolish people, you will become like them. You be among the spices, you will smell of them. You be among the pigs, you will smell of them. You be among people who tell dirty jokes all the time, that'll influence you. Or people who use foul and bad language. I mean, if you purposefully do that, sometimes you just can't help. People in the office sweat or at school. But because of that, we become desensitized. And because, because lawlessness, because evil, because wickedness, because sin increases, the love of many will grow cold. Bad company corrupts good morals. What is the solution? The solution is... Don't be in the presence of those, those people if you can help it. Avoid people who use foul language, who blaspheme God's name. People who tell dirty jokes. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. And sadly, we as Christians, we say at least there's not sex and nudity in the movie. They do blaspheme God's name and there's a lot of bad language. But that's fine, otherwise we can't watch any movies. Really? Do you want to be entertained by people who curse your Savior? Who blaspheme His name? You want, to, you want your children to learn that? Watch those movies and then you want to scold them for saying OMG. Why not rather teach them the word? Why not rather pray, Lord, let them see the king. Let them see the king. And once they've seen that, they will do what God has taught us in his word. You shall be holy, for I am holy. Since we have these promises let us cleanse ourselves of every defilement, everything that is dirty in body and in spirit, and so bring holiness to completion in the fear of God. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1. Now this is how it happened for Isaiah. Look at verse 6 and 7. Then one of the seraphim flew to me. So here's this heavenly creature, this flaming creature. He takes a tongue. He takes a coal from the altar, a glowing coal, a burning coal, and he picks it up and he touches Isaiah's lips. You can just imagine the sizzling and the pain. Isaiah needs that. Where did Isaiah's sin take place? His lips. Where did the cleansing come? His lips. Why? Verse 8. 
because he's going to preach God, God's word with his lips. And he needs cleansing. You, you can imagine the, the blisters being burnt into you. Can, the, 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 Deirdre, Deirdre said uh, last year when Nicole had that operation, or was it the first time she had it, you could smell the burning flesh. And so here, Isaiah, that this pain, the pain of the burn, the, the coal burning the lips, that would be unforgettable. Isaiah will never forget. And Isaiah will never forget God's forgiveness for his sin. Where does the coal come from? The altar? Why? What happened on that altar? Animals were killed. They were slaughtered. Why? as a sacrifice, they would die in the place of the sinner. That was a reminder, and that was really a preview that many, many years later, more than 700 years later, someone else would come as a sacrifice. And John the Baptist would say, Behold, the Lamb of God. There's the sacrifice. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus died so that you and I could be forgiven, so that you and I could have a clean heart and clean lips, like the Apostle Paul. Paul was a dirty mouth because Paul blasphemed the name of Jesus. He says it in 1 Timothy 1 verse 13, I blasphemed, I was a blasphemer. But Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. Jesus saved sinners. Jesus saved John Bunyan. John Bunyan and John Newton, they could swear so much. John Bunyan said he, put, he would put a swear word before and after every normal word to give that middle word authority. He swore a lot and so did John Newton. Both of them got saved. Both of them became preachers of the gospel. Jesus can save you. He can cleanse your heart. He can cleanse your mouth. He can change a dirty mouth into a pure mouth that speaks the praises of the Lord and not swear words, that speaks the word of God, like, like Isaiah in verse 8. Now he's being sent to preach the word. That's a solution to a dirty mouth. Fill your heart with the word. Fill your mind with the Word. And if you fill it with God's Word, if this is in your heart and someone squeezes you, pressure, someone makes you angry, what's going to happen? Out will come the Word. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, friends, dirty language, swearing, it's not proper among Christians. It's not proper among saints. With these lips and with this tongue, I praise the Lord. And with the same tongue, I curse people made in His image. This ought not to be, brothers. James 3 verse 9 and 10, go and read it. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. Should not be should not use toilet language like Martin Luther. 
Martin Luther preached the word yes, but from that same mouth came toilet language. Or like the pastor in Pretoria in 2001, from the pulpit, he started his sermon by using cuss words, swearing, just to shock the audience, to shock the people, to get their attention, to then make his point. Should not be. What does God want from us? A clean heart and clean lips. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we draw near to you as all of us, all of us without exception, confess before you this evening, O Lord, we are broken sinners before a holy God. Only your mercy, your forgiveness, your cleansing, your atonement through Jesus Christ can make us right with you and can purify us. And we pray that you would do so indeed. In Jesus' name, Amen.